It was one of those ones with a big orange wheel in the front you used to get in the eighties and nineties. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was doing thirty miles an hour. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you never got cast in that table. No. But never mind. But always the, the, the big reels are turning, which means we are recording. Gordon, how are we doing? Whiskey unscripted. Uh, very well, very well. Um, yeah, just. Uh, it's been, been it's been a You're busy week. It's been a busy week. You've been modest. We started this podcast like we did some of our YouTube and Facebook online tastings because we're in lockdown. We couldn't really get out and, you know, spread the chat about whiskey. Yeah. But you have. I have been out. I've been out. If Mr. About... Dundas, you have been to a whiskey show. Please tell us all and even more. Tell us what whiskeys were, were at the show. But paint the picture. Where was it? What happened? So I was at the whiskey show in London, which is run by the Whiskey Exchange, um, uh, now part of Perno. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, probably probably the most significant whiskey show in Europe in terms of the range and breadth of distrib- uh, customers and, and, and uh, you know, sort of whiskey, whiskey brands there. So is it public? It's a public show. Sells out very quickly. There was... Um, Probably, I mean, I think slightly less people this year, just with uh, leaving a little bit more space around. But it was busy, and it was three days: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in Old Billingsgate, which is near the Tower of London. Fabulous! I mean, a great oh. show. Great to see people. Pretty normal, mm. and uh, yeah, it was really, really good fun. Firstly, it was got we did the Friday night, which was great. Caught up with uh, our, our team down there, Alan Wardrop, uh, Julian and Paul. And we had a great night out after the show. Oh, and, then, and then on the Saturday, great busy show, top masterclass, which we'll come back to. Yes, um, can't wait. And then on the Sunday again, the, the show ran till 6.30. So it was, it was a great show. Great to be talking whiskey, you know, much more rather than on screens. It really was fabulous. Is it a big difference? Oh, Gordon, you've been to. Yes, you know how brilliant whiskey shows are. Um, they're quite long. There's quite a lot of standing, but they are ultimately a really important part of the mix of understanding what consumers think about your brand and what they think about each individual whiskey. It really is important to hear and see that because the people that spend 150 pounds to go to a whiskey show are the upper echelons of the whiskey community, which are important because that influences the whiskey, you know, uh, environment for sure. Um, So it was, it was, it it was really, really good. And, and luckily our whiskeys are being really, really well received. So we're going to get right into those tastings shortly, but what I would like to know, because what you do miss in these whiskey shows, because we are, and we keep on seeing this when we're doing the podcast, we are, Mm -hmm. Um, producers, we're 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 not commentators on the whiskey. We actually work for a company that make whiskey, mm. and that in that respect, you go around Europe, around the world, and you meet other producers and other people, other ambassadors. Mm. So, Gordon, who was there? Give us a bit. Of, give us a bit of oh, chat. Who, who wasn't there? Well, I mean, let me just. Okay, well, I'll go around a few of the first oh, person. I, first person I bumped into was Shilton from Paul John. Um, what a fantastic gentleman he is. If you've never had a Paul John whiskey, go and try that. Shilton has moved to Scotland, actually. 
uh, from 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 down south. So I've not really seen him since he moved up, but it was great to see him at the whiskey show. So hats off to Shilton. Oh, good for him. Um, Did you get a little taste of it, Gordon? The I've Paul tried John? Paul John before. Really, really yeah. good. Some of it, for sure. Really yes. big fan of it. Uh, quick maturation over there in India, but really, really good. Um, oh, I mean, there was a lot of people. Saw the guys from Ardnamurk and they were around the corner on our stand. Love what they're doing. Um, and uh, really on the show before, but on the show, yeah, so you absolutely. can go back and listen to that. Alex Bruce, absolutely great to have him on. And you know, great distillery, love what they're doing. So they were there, so they're now three years old, Gordon. Arden Martin. I'm just trying to get around, get a wee about bit of three, flavor. probably nearly close to four now, but yeah, yeah, uh, no, sorry, I think the whiskey's about five or six years old. I think they've been producing for about five or six years. Uh, okay. They didn't release a three-year-old immediately they waited i think for a couple of years to release their first that's interesting so, do, you get, do you get a sample Have i've had it that? before yeah i tried right. tried a little bit we on Good. the saturday night there was a bit of a gathering underneath yes, so sort of all the exhibitors so there was oh. you know food what? there laid on by sekinder and co and there was beers and then there was bottles of whiskey flying around as you can oh. imagine and there was all of us were down there it was just fabulous and we had a toast to Charlie McLean's birthday and, you know, Serge was there. It was great. Just really, really good. Good evening. Um, I was a little tired on the Sunday. Too. Yes, because I'm about okay. to say it's a tough job. You know, people listen to this that uh, are maybe working in other spheres of life. Yeah, it is a, exactly. It's a tough shift. But it was just <laughs> fabulous to see everybody. You know, we oh, saw friends of the show were there as well. And, and, and we even probably I had over the weekend 10 to 12 people actually come up and go, Love your podcast. We've got actual listeners, Gordon. We have got listeners, and please get in touch with podcast uh, with, the, with the podcast via Facebook. It's a good way, mm-hmm. uh, or Instagram. We've got the I think that's the two channels we're yeah. working on. So we'd love to and hear it, any comments. And obviously, Gordon, you've done your fair, fair, fair sort of uh, spread of whiskey shows, and I just thought it'd be nice to have a sort of reminisce, maybe about some of the whiskey shows that. That you've done some of the stories that you've got. Have you got any? Uh, oh, I love the um, shows. Well, actually, the one that springs to mind, Gordon, is is a country quite close to my heart, and it's coming up soon. But one of the last ones I did was in the Netherlands, in ah. Den Haag, and I'm off to Amsterdam in a couple of weeks' time. That'll be my first whiskey fair. I'm going to do a few tastings. So over to the Netherlands. That's a wonderful place, as you know. The the the, the so passionate about their whiskey. And mm. their distributors there, the guys from Demonic, so friendly as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great vibe. You've got a couple of shows coming up here, have you not? You've got a show coming up in the UK in a couple of weeks? Yes, yes. Uh, if you're any of you, I'm down, I'm down to the Salisbury area, Salisbury, uh, Southampton area to do a mm. couple of shows. Are you not and going I'm to go- air as well? I'm going to air, yes. Well, I have to get them on as well. Robbie's Dram Club. We'll get them on. Yeah, yeah, oh, we'll get them wonderful. on. Wonderful whiskey show and again many people like this that have their own specialty whiskey and wine shop and they put on fairs for their regulars and we've got Brian down at does that down at Drambusters in Dumfries which has sadly been cancelled this year they've decided it's not worth the hassle in November but Robbie's Dram Club and Air are going ahead October the 16th so I'll be in Air Town Hall if anyone's there we're taking the whiskey down there and that will be a great day and again the enthusiasm of the locals it's just great fun you know they really know their stuff and they've been going since the early 80s so they've got a real good spread of the whiskey industry in mm. scotland uh the good. last almost 40 years so we'd love to get them on and return i'm returning to the birmingham whiskey club oh, in the yes. jewelry quarter of birmingham they're great 
place, a great setup they've got down there with Amy. A- Amy, um, yeah, absolutely. It. Very good, so, very good. There's a little history of um, whiskey down well, there on request. That's fabulous. So, fabulous. Lots of shows there happening, Gordon. And, good, good. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're certainly looking at um, quite a lot of things. I'm meant to be going to Germany and also to the US, but we'll see what, what date that is in November that we can do that. But just generally, I think, you know, it's, it's great to have been back at a whiskey show, um, you know, hear the um, enthusiasm of everybody for whiskey generally, our whiskeys, everybody's whiskeys. It's really, really nice to... Well, you mentioned really, whiskey. whiskey. And we want uh-huh. to taste the whiskeys, but before we do, because that was like, one of the most fabulous set of whiskies that I can think of, but have you had a little look at the news? Because we really, we just want to have a wee chat this week, but we wanted to have a quick cast over. Yes. Anything that's caught your eye. Now we're recording this um, October 8th, 9th, 10th. I've got some news. Um, at the Whiskey Show, um, the good folk of Gordon and McPhail were showcasing their new 80-year-old oh. um which is, I mean, I think it's, it is the oldest bottle of whiskey ever. Um, I didn't so get to taste it because it's, no, no. it's, it's, it's very precious liquid and they give it to very key clients. But uh, fancy I, case. Spoke, I saw that. That was amazing. Yeah. Protective fancy case. If you go yeah, no, very, very lovely. And, you'll find um, that. I think one has just sold in Sotheby's for about 140,000 pounds. That was my next question. Uh, uh, so that's a pretty high price for an 80 year old whiskey. Um, and I think they don't have very much of it, obviously, but it's certainly oh. something that highlights their credentials, uh, of some of the stocks that they have, which is simply amazing. Not much of it, but there was, um, a royal visitor to the Johnny Walker experience. Oh, there was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, went yeah. a couple of uh, a few weeks ago just to check it out, we thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's a great boom and boost to the economy of Edinburgh, especially at the end of Princess Street. So it really has given a bit of an injection and it got royal patronage. And Prince Charles didn't stop there, he went up to a couple of other distilleries on his travels around Scotland, and it just brought in a little bit, I, I know. I call it, or used to call it, the year that changed whiskey. And when you see royals in the picture with whiskey, it really is a a sort of green flag for the industry because the year you could have, you could say the year it changed whiskey, you could say would be 1837 with the accession of Queen Victoria onto the throne of the British Empire. And up until 1822, Gordon, uh, whiskey was illicit. It was rough. It was drunk in the hills, associated with criminality, associated with scoundrels. Within 20 years, just over, it was being then given royal patronage and brought into the drawing rooms of the rich and powerful down in London. And more than that, it was acting as a draw for people to come up and visit Scotland. Uh, it transformed its reputation. Um, within, mm. And the lady, that you really could say that, uh, would be Queen Victoria. However... Mm. You may or may not know the first royal warrant was awarded by her predecessor, King William IV. Now, he awarded a royal warrant to a gentleman called Captain William Fraser, who was quite a tenacious entrepreneur with lots of different um, contacts all over high society. And he sent the whiskey down that he was making in his distillery called Brackla. Ah. And in 1835, he persuaded William IV to give it a royal seal of approval. Ah. The Royal Brackler was the first 
royal warrant. He was quite a fancy whisky man. But Queen Victoria and her husband, Prince Albert. Now, you may have watched the television programme. If you're watching this or listening to this outside of the UK, we did have Victoria, a a, a fictional account of Queen Victoria. And it did portray her for the first time as being a bit of a party girl. And she did like a party. Mm. She did like her whiskey. She drank it with soda. She drank it with tea as well. And she drank it with claret, believe it or not. Is, 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 is. So she was quite Very a, good. a ginger. And her and her husband visited Loch Nagar in 1848, which is down as the first royal visit. Yeah. Uh, and you could actually see one of the first distillery visits of all time. And they became Royal Loch Nagar. So the first licensed in the first visit. And then it mm. snowballed from there, Gordon. You know, we've right. got plenty of royal warrants, including... including so who have got royal warrants now? Lefroy have got a royal warrant. That's a very good question. Who's still uh, got the royal warrants? I'm not sure. Glengoyne, uh, if um, you know, we represent E. McLeod Distillers, and we have got the royal warrants in Leonard Russell's office. Uh, oh. Lang Brothers were awarded a warrant in, in 1984. That's right. And that's... You, by the Queen Mother. Interesting. So that went enti- through the entire company. And if you're ever out there in the world and you look at a Glengoyne from the past, see if it's got the royal seal of the Queen Mother on it. They're out there in less and less numbers. There's a great wee collector's edition Queen Mother, a fan of Glen Goyne. Fabulous, yeah. fabulous. So the royal, the royal Connection was uh, a, a very important part of the ascent of Scotch whisky to the pinnacle of the, of the whisky trade all around the world. There was other reasons for it, mm. but without the royal patronage and you know, the royal you know ascent and mm. uh, enjoyment of it, it might not be the whiskey it is to this day. So no, we've no, got no. a lot to find, For sure, for sure. Wow, that's well, incredible. Well done, Gordon. Well, we've got research here. Knowledge. I want to, in the context of what you've just spoken about, I want to just also highlight a little bit about what we did last Thursday, which was an Instagram Live for where we were at Glen Goyne and we were using your fountain of knowledge, <laughs> which relates to the wider whiskey industry, but of course, Glen Goyne, to celebrate the launch of the new Cooperage which if you go on tour at Glengoyne and we are open and we are doing tours, um, uh, you start now in the old Cooperage um, where there is a sort of uh, a legacy wall, would you like to call it maybe? It just shows you some of the fabulous elements of the history of Glengoyne, but um, also, you know, feeds a bit into the wider narrative of whiskey. Um, And we did a tour around the distillery. Available uh, still, isn't it? You can still go to Glenn Goyne's Instagram account and watch it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you were fabulous talking to us about all the reasons why, what happened here, why we've got the third, you know, the second spirit still, all those sorts of things. So have a look on Instagram. But one of the things as a result of this, Gordon, and this is a bit of news, is you are, you are arranging a walk. Oh, yes. Yes, I am arranging a walk. We're bringing a story to life from that wall. And this is the story of before the distillery existed. This is the smuggling walk that the predominantly ladies of the parish of Dungoyne uh, and Strathblade in Battlefront would have taken to get their illicit distilled goods from that area to Glasgow. So we're recreating the smuggler's walk. We walk from our distillery. Of course, it wasn't there in those days. There were just little stills dotted all over the landscape. <clears throat> creating what effectively was clear liquid, like moonshine. Mm-hmm. And we put in pouches and walked to Glasgow. Mm. And there was many, many people attended it. 
Some farmers would do it at night, two to three in the morning, with big containers and drums. They would get caught. It's a famous, famous battle of 1813. A fatal injury is uh, inflicted upon a farmer um, and dies in the arms of his brother. This is an amazing story. And actually, on the way to Glasgow, at a place called Mary Hill, there used to be a cairn. A little mound of rocks. Mm -hmm. It was called the Smuggler's Cairn. Is and for that, every um, person dead, there would be a rock laid down. And it was quite a high cairn. Right. Is that where the McDonald's is? We think, it's a his, local historian has reached out to me, we think it's roughly where the um, fire station was in Mary Hill. I know, that, I know Sorry, what the guy was I was being <laughs> facetious. Sorry. <laughs> That appears in a book of 1890 or something, the Mary Hill Cairn. So we're going to walk past where we think that Cairn oh, was and lay our own stones down. And we will have pouches that are on this storytelling wall. And we will fill them with whiskey and we will recreate that smuggler's walk on October the 20th. Fabulous. So look for social media um, and it's going to be all over there. And it's just to say, come to Glengoyne. We've got an old cooperage room with lots of lovely stories. And this is one of them. A very busy, busy time of it. Mm. I know you're very busy, Gordon. The year has been compressed into the last two or three months. Would that be fair to say? It has. I actually spoke to a lot of people about this at the whiskey show, and and what people may be noticing is there's a lot of whiskies coming out at the end of this year, and we've got, I mean, Tamdus and Glengoynes and other people have got the same. The problem is the supply chain is under stress, not just in the UK but everywhere uh, in terms of cardboard bottles deliveries all these sorts of things and everything has a much longer lead time and is significantly more expensive so um that's why there's a lot of releases coming out in it you know at this sort of time normally we would spread them throughout the year but uh, that's just the way it is and so those Amazing. looking for new products there will be a rash of probably new products from a lot of distilleries over the coming weeks but that's fine you know um yeah. we uh we're no different and um you know we've already launched a cigar malt for Tamdu. We've launched a bat string six for Tamdu. Uh, you know, we're also launching different products for Glengoyne with a teapot dram coming hey. soon, everybody. Um, and I was just speaking to, and, and the supply chain is the same for everybody. It's really difficult. It's, um, it's not as slick as it was before. It's working. It's like a not well-oiled chain. But if you're uh, a consumer yeah. out there, a whiskey enthusiast, you're in mm -hmm. for a, that the treat over the next few months that's yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair there's there's you know but you know certainly as we're all discovering um everything is costing more at the moment um from a perspective of ah. putting whiskey together power that you need grain everything is more expensive so that's just the way it is and um things like that happen and we just need to to deal with it but yeah we're, you know we're, things are good things are good uh, and the launch of new products means that we're very, very busy. Another, another piece of news that was about some filming I did for sustainability. Yes. Ahead of COP26. Now, this is a mm -hmm. huge, the biggest environmental conference since Paris 2015 is happening about, well, one mile from where you're sitting, less yes. than that. Yep. And about seven miles from where it's in Glasgow. It's a, so I had Scottish Enterprise up doing a little bit of filming. Mm -hmm. And the whole world is interested in sustainability and whiskey industry, I think, sits there quite near the top in that story of being sustainable and pushing for more green initiatives. So that's yeah. what the way of filming. And they came to Glengoyne, very honoured that they chose ourselves. So I was doing a bit of that yesterday, Gordon. We made a really conscious effort to go to sustainable packaging at Glengoyne, which is a big part of our sort of sustainability plan. 
we use, we've got the wetlands, which are 10 years old and the anniversary of the wetlands, which is the, the way that we filter our um, spent leaves and, and, and things like that. So it filters oh, through this wonderful wetlands, which you can yeah, never amazing. look at at Glengoin. Um, there's a whole range of other things that we do, but we, we, you, you know, you can't rest in your laurels. You've got to do more. And, and, you know, um, across the industry, we're very much further down the line than we were even two to three years ago, but that needs to continue. And that is something which the SWA will drive. Consumers will drive it as well. And consumers will make choices based on sustainability credentials as they make, uh, choices on a lot of things and um, you know I think that's really really important so you can't do enough but this COP26 is really uh, really going to focus the mind I think which is great and and the industry the industry will respond because we always have done we always will do towards change which is fabulous and yes yes I think you're right enough and I think the Scotch whiskey industry as you say it's not perfect but my goodness uh, when you look across the sector at the, the big companies like Diageo and the companies like ourselves and the other smaller independents, everyone really seems to be pulling in the right direction. Seems to all to be heading. Absolutely. You know, and, and maybe other industries maybe not quite like that. I think Scotch whiskey, it's just such a great natural product. I think everybody gets it. I think everybody yeah. is trying to do the right thing. And I think that's um, what I was trying to convey. And this will go out to the wider world, you know, that this should stand as a bit of a, hopefully an example, a bit of a test of, of profits course. can be made by being green, you know? Oh, no, you see, consumers will make a choice and that wetlands stops uh, all these tankers and stops, you know, a, a yeah, lot yeah. of money being spent moving waste and chemically dosing it. So so it's, it was a great uh, bit of filming there and it's slightly, even my eyes opened up a wee bit more to the sustainability and the green initiatives, but that can mean money, it can mean profit. Absolutely. It doesn't need to mean, you know, so... The other thing we did, which you may remember, was that long shift in the warehouse. <laughs> a very personal podcast today, Gordon, but I think it's, it is. It is, it's sort of reflective of maybe what other people are doing. But yes, so, um, there was a tasting in the warehouse that we had films. Yeah, and we it, did, did, it did go on a bit. <laughs> it did go on a bit. It was good, though. Um, so we were doing a few tasting videos for, firstly, a brand called Isle of Sky, which is a very famous... Yeah blend uh, which we'll touch on and we've sort of relaunched a little bit and it's going to be used around the world and I think we come we're going to put a bit of oomph behind it which is great we also covered off uh, and let's start here actually we also started we also did a little tasting for a, for a whiskey called Six Isles which for me now if you think of the category of blended malt I think blended malt whiskey which it should just be called malt whiskey personally you should have malt whiskey single malt whiskey grain whiskey single grain whiskey and blends and you know and blended whiskey you know that for me should be how it should be but with six hours is a is a is a blended malt so we brought six different single malts from six islands can you remember them gordon Fabulous. It's fabulous. And also, before I do, he says, trying to get these, uh, get the islands in the back of his mind. And then we did taste this in one of the podcasts previously. Mm. And I would mm. say it's one of the absolutely cracking whiskies that I remember mm-hmm. from tasting um, yeah. previously. But yes, you can start, let's start uh, in Sky. You can start Sky. We've got Mull. We've yeah. got Jura. Uh, that's in the, the West. Then we've got to, oh, no, we've got Arn as well. 
down there. Mm -hmm. So that's four. And we've got up to Orkney, Judah, Sky, Mull. Which one have you forgot? Is it Isla? Yay! Is it Isla? Yay! So yeah, like... What a story. You know, we talk about stories. My job is experiential in stories and trying to bring brands to life. But my goodness, six of these fabulous islands. Yeah, not a lot of colour in it. Natural colour, 46%. But my point is, if you like that maritime PT sort of island style whiskey that's going to transport you to that part of the world then then six aisles is it and uh it was just and, and, but my point is more of wider about blended malts you're going to see more and more blended malts come into the market because why would you not combine good malt whiskey together of course you would is um, this one of the fastest growing sectors or not yet but not i think yet. it might well be and i think those oh. who are seeking out great whiskies will consider blended malts because con- combining malts together are really really important and 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 form a really interesting orchestra of flavor if you like you know you have brilliant single malts which you can use with different casks but if you've got great you know lighter matured maybe in refill casks where there's lovely amount of that fantastic sort of house style why would you not want to combine them together there's no point in combining lots of rich dark sherry casks together so much but when you combine something in, a, in the way we have or the way other producers have and i know douglas lane for example do a range of blended malts then this category i think is going to grow um and those single malt drinkers will want to drink great blended malt why would you not want to do that so something to watch out for I've just had a little soupçon, a little taster while you've been talking, Gordon. It's just oh, so, so you're drinking six, six aisles? Yeah, I'm drinking six aisles. I'll take a photograph of We've just got taster bottles, and I'm holding up to the camera just now. I don't know if I'll put this on YouTube or not, but I'll certainly take a photograph of it. You need to it. turn it around. They can't see it. No, I wanted to show them the colour. Oh, right. Um, Sorry. I thought you had the label. What I would like just you to talk about, and you mentioned it there, it just shows you the connection between colour and flavour isn't always... No, 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 absolutely. Uh, That's not as much colour, but my flavour in that six aisles. We've talked about this at length, and, and, you know, Rosebank's another prime example of a single malt that's driven not so much by cask interaction and flavour, but by how that spirit changes in a refill cask over time, and our 30-year-old is a great example of that. This is too, and there's other producers that do great examples of you know, lightly coloured whiskies, which are fantastic in their own right. And you might see a lot of independent bottlings of particular distilleries may may have that sort of style as well. So fabulous. Can I just say, I was drinking the, it's called the Voyager, which is the 46%. Yes, and we have a high strength version as well, which is great. See that that if you like that style of whiskey. The other one was Isle of Sky. That's a great whiskey, um, which goes up to a 30-year-old. Yes, blended whiskey at thirty year old doesn't really happen. I think there's that's, a yeah, well, that's what we're seeing in the tastings. You know, we're going right through the eighteens, twenty fives, and thirties. It's quite an unusual. Am I right? With fabulous, blends? fabulous, which means Gordon, sorry to cut across you, but yeah. that just means for people listening, if you're drinking a thirty year old blend, mm. the same rules apply. Everything's mm-hmm. got to be thirty or above. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, and um, the and it's. Yeah, everything has to be 30 and above. And when you get, you know, blended whiskies are great anyway. But when you have a range like this, it's a real fabulous experience. So very famous blend. It was a pleasure to talk about it. So you're drinking a little bit of Six Isles at the moment. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 
just showing up the camera something here i've got a little bit of uh look at the color on that nice and dark everybody and i'm just going to slip the label around oh <laughs> visually he's held up the glengoyne 50 to the camera yeah. gordon i've teased it and talked about it but could you give us a little bit of a flavor of your master class that you did at whiskey live this was a 150 pound a ticket 150 pounds a ticket oh, we had here's a, a free did you give them a few versions? Yeah, we, we had about 20, 20 plus people. It was great. Um, Charlie McLean was in there for a while, which was lovely. Well, we just wanted to show what we can do with some of our fabulous older older whiskies. And, and the whiskey show is a great place to do it. So basically, we started on a couple of rose banks, the 30-year-old and the single cask, which came out 433. Two great examples of that fresh, vibrant style of rose bank. Summer meadows, you know, a little bit floral, fruity, light in color. We then moved on to a new release, which is um, coming out in a couple of weeks. Thirty-six-year-old family cask, of which really is a great story behind. Um, I can't say too much, but it's coming out. Um, and then but, we it's a thirty-six-year-old single cask. Thirty-six-year-old single cask. That is lovely. Lovely, so that's lovely coming stuff. Out. So that was your three whiskies. Just want to so you've done the 30, then a single cask rose bank, then a single cask, 36-year-old Glengoin. Yeah. Then we went, then we went to a 50-year-old Glengoin, oh. which has been out for a while and is sold out in the UK and pretty much sold out around the world. Um only 150 bottles of that. So we did a little uh, a sample of the 50-year-old. And then just to round it all off, we did uh we we showed the two sides of Tamdu. So we did a and a, a sort of 16-year-old American oak uh, sherry butt, nice sort of vanillas and those types of flavors, and finished off on a 1975 European oak sherry butt, so a 45-year-old sherry butt. Um, so, look, a, 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 an amazing tasting. Everybody loved it. It was a great opportunity to pour that to people who all loved it and uh, some of our finest drams. And unfortunately, the only downside was they had to listen to me um, I was joined by the fabulous and newly keepered Alan Wardrop, though, who obviously filled in the blanks. That's fantastic. You've just dropped in another piece of news. You said the, keeper, um, the keepers of the quake have been announced as well. And I, yes. I believe you are one, Gordon. Could you just explain what happens, what it is, and who else was inducted this week? Well, yeah, the Keepers of the Quake is, a, I mean, it's a real honour to become a Keeper of the Quake. And and what I'm loving about Keepers of the Quake is it's all about the, the personalities of the industry who've helped drive, uh, you know, Scotch forward around the world. Um, and uh, so there's about 2,500 members approximately, and they induct about 25 to 50 every, twice a year, roughly. Um, and so... Yeah, it's a real honour to be. Yeah, when, when, give us a background. When were you? Inducted? I was inducted in 2013, so I've oh. been a keeper for a long time. Not been back to the dinner since, if I'm honest. But uh, I've been a keeper for a long time, and uh, I'm very honoured to have been made one. And uh, so, yeah, there's quite a lot of friends of mine within the industry who are keepers, and it's a fabulous evening up at Blair Castle. Uh, you know, quite a bit of pomp and ceremony and all that. But I think ultimately, what's great is that the keepers is becoming more relevant there's more women becoming keepers which is great yes. you know it's a real honor to be one and um so uh so that was on monday night it so went very well, on, the, our latest keeper of the quake ian mcleod that was uh, absolutely good no absolutely and and congratulations to him and uh 
it's a yeah it's a real honor so lots going on and uh, that was a wonderful um, selection of whiskies there gordon i have to say that was well, very, i mean it's about the, very good. i mean i've been lucky to do some amazing classes um i did an amazing class when i worked for bomore in the number one warehouse uh number one vaults at bomore uh which i did i didn't i was probably more partaking than than doing it but um you know it had black white and gold bow more in it which was pretty special but this is to have three amazing distilleries um producing such great whiskey you know and to showcase it and to get people to taste it is ultimately as a family business what we want people to do so it was an amazing class i have to say and i'm lucky enough to have four of the six bottles sitting in front of me well, I think once you stop recording, Gordon, maybe shall I? I'll, 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 I'll pop round in the taxi. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's fr- it <laughs> is Friday. Let me eat some from you. It is uh, Friday. That's so, right. yeah, incredible. Great. Gordon, um, it's nice to see the live shows are back. That's what we wanted to do with this episode of Whisk Scripted. It's just to say it's great. You got on the road, and uh, I will shortly be on the road, and the whiskey world slowly. Uh, and surely sparking to life again, which is a, a, a great thing. And as I've mentioned, it's doing it in more sustainable ways than ever before. So it's been a lovely episode, God. I'm going to pour myself a little time do, I think, and just say, wish you your health. Yeah, and cheers to everybody we saw at the weekend. It was fabulous at the weekend. I know you're out and about as well. And it's just nice, as you say, to get back to a semblance of normality. I'm not drinking a 50-year-old Glengoyne, if I'm honest. I've got the 18 in my glass. <laughs> he's off to the auctions. No, he's not. No, he's not. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us in on Whiskey Unscripted. Doing it this way since 1833. Staying ahead on the Whiskey Trail. Oh, staying ahead. On the whiskey trail